Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 220 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, we're here to preview week nine in the CFL tonight. We'll take a look at the major matchup storylines, fantasy players to watch, and our betting picks for each of the games this week. Ryan, Mike, and Adam here with you this evening. Uh, I'm Ryan, joined, uh, first off, Mike, how are you doing tonight? Not too badly. It is great to be back. Had some things to take care of the last couple of weeks. Um, but Ducks uh, are back in a row, and the row of Ducks is back on the podcast. Yes, uh, happy to have you back on Wednesday nights, Mike. So, of course, we've been getting to hear you uh, talk on our Tuesday bonus show each week lately, the, uh, the Drive Home Call-In Show, where you and I recap uh, things from the previous week in the CFL. So if you haven't checked that out this week, check it out in the podcast audio feeds, folks. Uh, we nailed out a new format for it, and I think it worked a lot better this time around. Uh, joining us here tonight as well. Got to zoom in a little further to see him across the room here. Some techno- technology difficulties, but he makes it work anyways. Uh, great Adam Stewart. Adam, how are you today? Well, besides my uh, monitor and over my office not working right, and uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those weeks, man. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, you can see my whole self tonight. And uh, Trey uh, gave us a suggestion a little while ago about our head-to-head fantasy about making a uh, calendar shoot. This is why I don't make calendar shoots, okay? <laughs> you look great, Adam. You look great. And, uh, yeah, finally confirmation that uh, you do, in fact, have legs. Um, because, you know, I've only met you over these uh, over the video podcasts here so far. And uh, you never know. You never know. Uh, all right. Uh, we are also live on a variety of different platforms. Thanks for presenting sponsor Game Time TV. We'll take your comments, take your questions in the live chat throughout the night. So send those in. Uh, learn more about Game Time TV at GameTimeTV.ca or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GameTimeTVMB. Uh, we also want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Creek. Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now, Trey is off tonight, so we unfortunately don't have him here to join us, but uh, he did send in the betting odds for us to go over later on, and if you want to get his betting picks for the week, I'm sure he'll throw them out in our Discord channel as well which is free to join if you're interested in catching the additional content, CFL chatter, et cetera, et cetera, beyond our weekly episodes. Uh, link to that is in the episode description uh, to join the CFC Discord community there. But uh, we'll get into things, uh, kicking things off here with our Week 9 preview. Uh, and it starts off Thursday night with the uh, the BC Lions coming into Winnipeg. Uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, the Bombers hosting the Lions, top two teams in the West Division going head-to-head. Uh, let's start with you here, Adam. Uh, what's the big storyline here for BC? Well, I think the big storyline has to still be that uh, Burton Adams will miss a second straight week here with injury. I believe that's not ever a good sign for British Columbia Lions. Uh, the rumor is it's just another week, and it was a short week, so hey, let's uh, keep Dane Evans in there. However, I'm starting to get a little more nervous about this 
is Vernon Adams really hurt, guys? Or what are you thinking here? Or is it just a matter of time here? And also, how much does this really affect the – I mean, we all know that the BC Lions have lots of firepower no matter which way you're looking at this. They've got lots of good receivers. They've got lots of help. Mizzle looked great the other night there against the Edmonton Elks. Okay, yeah, I know Edmonton Elks, but still look good. Uh, This is a whole different team. This is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who have been uh, right up in the top of the league for, well, the last three years, essentially. Is this going to be a concern for BC Lions, I think, this week? Uh, To me, it is. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? I mean, the concern for me is how is Dane Evans going to perform against the Bombers, right? You mentioned VA being out. Now I know, I was reading earlier today, and I apologize, I forget from who, but uh, that Evans, last time he faced the Bombers last year, put up a record-breaking day from his own performances. But which performances for Evans do we remember most? It's those two in the Grey Cups uh, where he really struggled. The Bombers' defense got the best of him there, so... I know Mike's going to talk a little bit more about the Bombers side of things here in a second, but, you know, this is an opportunity for us to see what version of Dane Evans actually comes out here because they've got a great offensive scheme. They've got a lot of great weapons. I mean, Dom Rimes is back this week as well. Seems like Mizzle, you know, came firing out of the cannon after he, you know, lost the starting job for a game or two there. Uh, they've got the pieces there on offense. question is, can they get it done? uh against and what's not going to be an easy matchup i mean they look the lions looked good against winnipeg last time out earlier this season 30 to 6 i think the final score was there see if they can follow it up on the road uh short week against the team off the bye uh for the lions here uh mike what do you think about uh dane evans starting here for bc mute Mute right. Yeah, there we go. They, uh, they made the right decision. I think given the short week scenario, um, you know, playing on Saturday, I think it was, and then Thursday uh, is a very short week um, to rest and recover. Um, to me, Dane Evans didn't do anything to not start this game. I think they're they're leading the standings relative to the rest of the division, not necessarily first place. Allows them an opportunity to get uh, Vernon Adams fully healthy. So, you know what? By all means, uh, BC has earned the right to do what they want. I th- I think they got this one right. Um, and then another week to get VA healthy for what we hope will be the stretch run. And that'll be that for them. Um, and then might as well pull that right into my thoughts about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And usually I talked about Kalaros and, and Brady Oliveira and Kenny Lawler and Rasheed Bailey. I'm going to the defensive side of the ball. And two very critical uh, defensive pieces coming back in Kyrie Wilson and uh, Winston Rose. Um, Kyrie Wilson has not played a lot of games. I think I had this stat sent to me. It's something like 17 games of availability out of 55 total games, um, which is interesting. But um, I had this argument with, not argument, but 
this discussion with a friend of mine who went to suggest that, um, you know, the Bombers should move on from Tyree Wilson. And I, well, attempted to push the brakes on that uh, just because I think your best, he made the argument that your best available, your best option or mechanism is your availability. But I choose to look at the track record of Kyrie Wilson when in the lineup and that far exceeds, um, sorry, that far exceeds uh, his unavailability, especially at a position where the Bombers have not necessarily had a lot of success with. And Winston Rose, yeah, he got lit up in the preseason and everybody, you know, seemed to think that his, he was going to be cut uh, in training camp. Well, this is a chance for a, a savvy veteran to redeem himself. And I, I think this is the close to healthy, uh, but the Bombers have been all year. So my key for the Bombers is just health. It looks like Connor Gutenshaw will be back at tight end. Uh, for the first time since, I believe, week one. So, again, this team's slowly coming back to full health. Uh, The only one that seems to be out still from my recollection that might be a fairly critical piece, maybe Mike Miller. But all in all, I think this is the closest to general health um, that the Bombers will be, and I think it's going to be a great game. And I think one thing we're going to find out is that that loss to BC is a admiration to the actual closeness of these two teams. So that being said, I just uh, you said that the Bombers are getting healthy here. I just wanted to run through quickly the injury reports here for both teams. Uh, Dalton Schoen, I mean, they say questionable. He'll play. Uh, hip injury. I uh, was out on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. He was pretty much playing. Winnison Rose, same thing, fully uh, practicing there with a foot injury. Kyrie Wilson for the Bombers, linebacker Achilles. He's fully going as well. Uh, the only one here I see is Jared Beeksma. Uh, knee injury. He's limited and was not practicing later on this week. And of course, with the Blue or with the uh, what BC Lions, uh, Sean Chivers is a healthy scratch to be expected after the game from uh, Taquan Mizzle. The other game, uh, Keenan LaFrance, same thing, healthy scratch. Uh, really, the, blue, uh, the uh, BC Lions are pretty healthy, other than the injury to Vernon Adams Jr. And also uh, shot Josh Banks. Uh, that was kind of a, a little bit later on of one hamstring injury. He's injured and will be out this week up against a bomber uh, offense that can definitely run the ball, I guess, with uh, Brady Oliveira in there. Uh that means probably that I'm guessing, Ryan, you're finally going to put Brady Oliveira into that fantasy spot, aren't you? Well, I've had him in there a couple of times, actually, in the past. But this matchup, if we want to get into the fantasy players in this one, this one's tricky, right? Because you've got BC side of things. Their defense is insane uh, so far this year. Like They're averaging 13 points against per game uh, on the season. You don't run on the lines. You don't really pass on the lines defense, it seems like. You know, across the board, when you look at the matchups uh, and the fantasy points other players, teams have put up against them, the highest num- average is 10.4 points. Like, starting quarterbacks have averaged only 10 points a game against the Lions so far this year. So, 
Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to find picks on that side. And also, I think the Bombers defense is going to be better with those pieces back that Mike already touched on there. But I do still have some options in this game that I am considering. Uh, so we'll start with, uh, you know, let's start with the three I have on the BC side of things. And I'll get your guys' picks. I'll start with the defense. Uh, $11,000 for the Lions defense. Uh, they've put up double digits in five of their last six games. Uh, like I said, 13 points against per game on the season. Uh, so you're actually getting points for points allowed, unlike most defenses. Uh, also, last time they played the Bombers in week three, they put up seven sacks. Uh, Matthew Betts and crew have just been tenacious on that D-line. And I think the Bombers offensive line has been a little more shaky this season than we've seen in recent years. So, yeah, I like the potential of the BC defense this week. I also like uh, Taquan Mazel, uh because uh, he, he does come in at $13,500. It's a little expensive, but take out the game against Toronto where they kind of fell behind and needed to pass. He's had 10-plus carries in every game he's been in so far this year. Dane Evans' first start last week included 22 carries for Mazel, uh against, granted it was against the Elks, but Bombers know how to get to Dane Evans. They're going to send lots of pressure for him. I could see him being leaned heavily on to open things up, whether it's dumb passes, whether it's, you know, uh, just the run game to, to open things up and give him a little more time there. Uh, I do like the potential of Mizzle in this in, in this matchup. Uh, and Keon Hatcher as well. I am a little bit a bit, a little bit nervous about the Dane Evans passing totals, but uh, Hatcher's $10,700. And he's got a floor. He's scored 11 or more fantasy points in every game he's played so far, which means you can expect that solid four from him almost any week. You get one or two extra plays on top of his average, and that's putting him at full value. So I think there's a, a reliable fantasy play there, even with a, a, a potential tougher matchup. Uh, that's who I've got on the BC side of things. Fantasy players to watch on both sides here. Mike, any, any players from BC or Winnipeg you are looking at for your lineup? Yeah, um, for for me, I, I really feel like this is a Kenny Lawler game. Um, you know, they made a couple big catches, but weren't necessarily made in the first game. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that can extend a lot of drives on second down. Uh, certainly an option that the Bombers didn't have in, in the first game. Um for me, that that's the kind of interesting one. Um, I know I have in our private fantasy league for just the four of us, I have a decision to make who's going to start at quarterback. Um, you know, this is a, you know, the statistics may be streamed, but Kalaro starts, you know, coming off a bye. But, you know, there, there's benefit to playing both him and Dane Evans. Um, from a fantasy perspective, for me, I still feel like there might be uh, cheaper alternatives that might generate more points than what both of these quarterbacks will probably put up because I think you're either going to get a 16-13 game or you're going to get a 37-31 game. Um... I certainly feel like this could be a low-scoring game. Um, you know, two defenses with a lot to prove. There's a lot of pride on the line. And would not surprise me if both teams come in at under 20 once this one is done. 
well, I think we know where you're heading uh, once we get to the betting set, betting picks on this game. But uh, Adam, what about you? Fantasy picks in this one? Yeah, the only one that I have right at the moment, and I'm debating this one a little bit, is Lucky Whitehead. Yeah, 10 and a half. He's actually fairly reasonable right now. Uh, I don't know if Dominic Rhymes is 100% right now. If he was, I'd probably look at Dominic Rhymes. But uh, traditionally, Lucky Whitehead does good against his former team. Uh, so I'm going to try to take Lucky Whitehead in this one so far. But I might change that idea yet. I've, I'm, I'm still working on a fantasy roster, and we'll talk about why later on. Uh, one option I do have on the Winnipeg side of things, uh, Mike, you took him already. Kenny Waller, $10,000 at wide receiver. Look, picking any wide receiver against the Lions is quite the tough sell with how good their defense has been. But Waller's season debut last week, he had nine targets. He put up 16.3 fantasy points in that. He's an elite talent. A big, play, He's got the big play potential. I think you touched on that already, Mike. And it's really rare you get a Bombers top receiver at such a low price of $10,000. Like, they were all at 15 k earlier this season. So if ever there is a week I might consider picking a Bombers receiver, it, it might be Kenny Waller this week there uh, for the fantasy options in this one. Um, looking over to our betting odds for the week, the line in this game is interesting. BC is, I would say, the better football team, certainly, uh, right now. Uh, and they dominated the first matchup, but they come in as six point underdogs. The Bombers at minus six, the over under line is at 44 and a half. Uh, we don't have Trey here tonight uh, to kick us off for, for the betting odds. So I'll, I'll kick us off on this game. We'll rotate through. I think I'm going to take – the line is scary. It, it's a big line, but I'm going to take the Bombers at minus six here. I, I, I just think this Dane Evans matchup uh, against, the, against the Bombers, I think Kyrie Wilson coming back is huge for that defense as well. They've had so much time to prep. Uh, you know, Mike O'Shea with time to prep over a bye week is scary. And I think it's going to be a close six. Like, I could see it falling right at six. But I'm going to take the Bombers to cover here in this one. And I'm going to over under 44 and a half. Yeah, it could be a pretty low scoring game. Uh, I'm going to take it to go over by a little bit. I think there's too much firepower on these offenses. Uh, for it to fall under here, so I'll take I'll take the bombers and I'll take the over. Uh, Mike, I think we kind of heard where you were leaning, but what are you taking here? Yeah, I'm going BC and I'm going the under. Um, I like BC to win this one by ten plus. Do you, do you think BC is going to win by ten plus? But it, the the overall total is going to be under forty four and a half. Yes. All right. That uh, defense I'm, coming in strong. I'm feeling a 23-13 kind of thing. All right. I love it when you call your shot like that. Uh, okay, Mike's got So Mike and I fully disagree. Adam, are you leaning the one way, or uh, are you splitting all the difference down the middle here? Well, this is going to be one of the weirdest weeks on earth because the Ryder fan and the uh, diehard Bomber fan are going to disagree. And that means I'm taking the Bombers. Uh, no, I think that they'll get negative six. I, I think they're going to get over six points on the uh, BC Lions. I mean, a converted touchdown essentially is what we're looking at here. So to me, 
Yeah, Bombers minus six, and I'm going to take the over in this game. I think it's going to become a shootout for some reason because BC has enough talent on their, their side of the football. Dane Evans or no Dane Evans, I think there's enough talent there that they can light it up. And, of course, you know, the Blue Bombers have what they have. And, I mean, it, it just has been enhanced now with Kenny E, the King Lawler in there. So, to me, I think the Bombers are going to win this in, yeah, over 44 and a half. Uh, by the way, last week's numbers, I'm just trying to look back at it. I think, well, Mike, you didn't send any picks in, but Trey and I went two and two. I think we got against the spread. We got Ottawa wrong. We got Calgary uh, wrong on that one. Adam, I think you went three and one because you did take uh, Montreal to to win by minus two and a half. Uh, the over under, not sure off the top of my head because I don't remember what the, the final scores were in those ones, but a uh, decent week at least against the spread there for us uh moving on to our second game of the week here uh it's the calgary stampeders versus the former calgary stampeders the toronto argonauts uh the calgary east as they've called it at times in the past uh the argos uh wait where is this game is this game in uh toronto or is it in calgary because in uh, calgary in calgary okay i got a I got to flip that around here on the screen. Uh, but yes, in Calgary, uh, Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, let's start with you, Mike. Uh, what is the storyline here for Toronto? So you cut out there for a minute. Can you repeat that? Yeah, what is the major storyline here for Toronto? Yeah, the major storyline for Toronto, and I'm sorry to have to say this, but it's get Chad Kelly and that offense back in gear because they had a really down night. Uh, by Toronto offense and Chad Kelly standards against the Riders um, in touchdown Atlantic. Um, I think both. I think Kelly was in and around the 135-ish yards, give or take under 200 for sure. Um, I think he's got a big bounce back. Um, it sounds like Coach Dickinson tried to light a fire under his crew the other night by just seemingly listing off other reasons, um, other reasons why they weren't winning. Uh, hardly um, the commitment, I think, was his wording after the game. The commitment to one another. Uh, there was another coach that had a an I brow raising comment after the game last week, which I'll get to in a little bit. Um, you know, this is a Calgary team that's come close, but hasn't been able to make the big play. This is a Toronto team that has been very, very consistent. Even in that touchdown Atlanta team, they showed that they can win in multiple ways. Um Interestingly enough, it looks like Calgary might, if I'm understanding this correctly, get Tadeem Terry back, who's listed as questionable, um, did practice in full today. Um, don't know what that means. I guess we'll have to wait for the depth chart tomorrow. Um, but again, I, I just feel like this is Toronto written all over it uh, for a big rebound. However, Toronto on the road in the West hasn't necessarily been uh, 
fresh roses and green grass uh, historically. But I, I think if Toronto does what Toronto has been doing, I don't see them having a problem uh, in this one. It's funny that you say they they need a bounce back when, yeah, the offense kind of sucked last week for Toronto. But also they scored a defensive touchdown. They scored a special teams touchdown, still put 30-something points on the board. So if that's a down day for the Argos, ain't nobody beating them this year, right? Like you you stop right. the and, offense and they, and, they beat you. And that's exactly why I hesitate saying bounce back. But it's that I can't find a flaw in this football team right now. But it's seemingly humming its way to an East Division title, which is going to be locked up in and around mid-September at this rate. Well, but I'm looking at this here is, you know what? This is a kind of bounce-back week, at least for the Toronto offense. I mean, you look 90 yards against a Saskatchewan Rough Rider team that's trying to transition and try to get something going. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Riders' off, uh, defense is good. But it isn't 90 yards, like, dominating teams, I didn't think. Although, we'll talk about the Riders later. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Stampeders, though. And really, just their struggles to get the ball into the end zone. I mean, you look at that team. It's, it's yes, they're missing offensive pieces. They're wide receivers. They've been short a few guys all season long. But, uh, I mean, you look at this team, and Reggie Bagleton's still around. You still got uh, you, you still got pieces in there that are coming in and adjusting. Markham Michelle has been actually a really good piece for the Stampeders coming into this one. Uh, it was very interesting to hear Dave Dickinson also say that we aren't in on the Darnell Stakey uh, uh, sweepstakes. I was kind of surprised for him to say that because really this uh, defense for Calgary, especially right down the middle, uh, gives up a very pot, large amount of uh, running yards. So to hear him say, nah, we're good with the linebackers we got, either it's a cap issue or it something's up because Calgary, you would think, would just absolutely be all over a guy like Darnell Sankey, who's just possibly coming back from the XFL right now and is exploring his CFL options. Uh, overall, what is with this Stampeders team? I, I'm trying to figure them out still because – I, I said last week they're the most uh, consistent, inconsistent team there is this year because they, I don't know what this is. I wouldn't have expected them really to lose two in a row. I mean, I predicted it, but I really didn't expect to be right against um, them losing against Montreal. What, what's going on here, Ryan? Yeah, I think we're all trying to figure that out with Calgary right now. And, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, it's it's the question marks of I didn't expect this team to throw 40 times a game, uh, which seems like they're doing. Uh, Jake Mayer's throwing the ball quite uh, quite a bit uh, lately uh, this year. 44 pass attempts last week, 38 the week before, 37 the week before that. For Mayor, you know, Diedrich Mills came in when Kadeem Carey was out with the injury and uh, picked up right where he left off from early last, from his time last season and, and looked good, but it slowly trailed off each of the past couple of weeks. His involvement in that offense seems like they're throwing it downfield. I don't think they've really been out of games to the point where they've had to uh, switch over to the passing game. And, you know, when they're throwing it that often, 
a young quarterback like Jake Mayer is going to make mistakes, and he's made a couple of costly ones uh, here and there that have cost them uh, in that regard. So, yeah, the de- and the defense has given up their fair share of issues and, and big plays and things like that as well. Uh, and it's all these small little things that are maybe mistakes Calgary in years past doesn't make. Really quickly, uh, guys, do we feel that them throwing the ball an excessive amount shows a lot of trust in that offensive line? Maybe a little, but I think it's more of uh, when Kadeem Carey went down, I think they just kind of pulled away from the run. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Dedrick Mills is a very good running back. Uh, Logan Paul is a pretty good running back. We've seen that last year. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure if they're just Calgary, if Jake Bear uh, maybe has some decision in this or what, but I just seem like they just decided that they're going to start throwing the ball this year. And with all the injuries to running or to receivers, it's a very funny strategy from Calgary, but I, it could be partly with offensive line, but I think it's more of, they just decided to kind of give up the run a little bit this year. Fine. Did you, you were talking about Peyton Logan, right? I think you said Logan Paul. Isn't he that YouTuber slash boxer or whatever? I think. Yeah, I keep getting names mixed up. When people have two first names, yeah, it don't work well with me. Even though that's what I talk about. Okay, uh, just making sure I heard you right there. Uh, yeah, Diedrich Mills carries uh, over his starts 19, 14, 14, 11, 6, and 5. So just 11 carries in his last two games I believe it is for Mills it's gone downhill here and and you know I started to wonder earlier this season because he looked good at the start he looked good last year you know if Kadeem Carey's injury is serious and let's say all of a sudden they're uh going the offseason you know as he if he's injured potentially uh and uh, out of a contract do the Stampeders go with the cheaper option in Diedrich Mills well, now I'm not so sure. And now, you know, getting Kadeem Carey back this week could be the thing they need. to. Uh, and I don't know if it'll be this week or next week, but it seems he's close. Maybe that's a thing that the Stamps need to spark that offense again. Here's the other thing, guys. Mark and Michelle, four or five targets last week. Zero catches. Yeah, zero catches last week, his first game of the year. I think he had six targets, one catch. Uh, well, we'll get into talking about Mark and Michelle in a second. Uh, a little bit more when we get to the fantasy players, uh, spoiler alert. But uh, anything else between these two teams for the storylines or injury reports here? Adam, do you have the injury reports? No, I'm, uh, I'm good. Um, but one thing I would like to say just – as a positive for Calgary, it's just how they find different players to fill in in different positions who we maybe don't expect much from as the year goes on. Uh, Odom's Duke, to me, had a quiet game last week, a quieter game by his standards. Um, still got the job done. Um, young guys like uh, Barnes, big catches one. You know, not a lot of catches, but certainly big. Um, other than that, it, it, it's just Calgary needs to find more consistency um, to be able to win these close games, but they seem to be losing. And, you know, this Calgary team could easily be 1-5. and five. 
if they don't make a big comeback in Saskatchewan. So, you know, that that's by the same token, they could also have one or two more wins. If they um, win those two games in overtime, right? So, so, so it, it, it's that old, it's that age old adage of are they two and five bad? Or are they better than their two and five record indicates with a little bit more consistency? So we're we're about to find out in this one. I think this game for Calgary will be the chance to get back into the Western playoff picture. One quick thing I want to mention that's relevant for both of these two teams is the Toronto Argonauts released wide receiver Markeith Ambles earlier today. Now, he hasn't played yet this year. I thought it was injury-related because uh, he seems like too talented of a receiver to be the healthy scratch. You know, we've talked a lot about Calgary needing that wide receiver depth, a young group of receivers. I wonder if he's a guy Dave. I mean, he's a guy Dave Dickinson's familiar with from their time in Calgary together. Uh, Adam, what do you think before you give us the injury reports here? Uh, do you think it's a potential fit for Ambles to come home? I would think so. I mean, you look at what the Calgary Stampeders are using right now for uh, wide receivers. I mean, they're using guys that have been just drafted into the CFL or uh, guys that have just started in the CFL. So uh, Marquise Ambles fits right in there. Uh, he's familiar with the offense. He's familiar with the playbook. He's familiar with the system in Calgary. It's a good fit. I think if I was Dave Dickinson, I would definitely have at least talk to him, see what exactly he's wanting. Uh, that being said, maybe they think they're fine. I don't know. To me, I'm surprised that they, uh, like I say before, I was surprised that they said that they won't take uh, interest in Darnell Sankey because I figured, you know what, that offensive, our linebacking core definitely could use an upgrade, but you know, I guess they got Cam Judge and they got a few other pieces in there. Uh, Calgary seems to really do well at developing linebackers. Uh, I'm just going to give a quick injury report here and then we'll get into fantasy. But uh, Darius Blake is injured. He's uh, going to be out uh, this week. He is fully practicing, it says, though, but uh, will be out. Isaiah Cage uh, out as well. Same thing with Maurice Carnell. Uh, yep. Yeah. I think I said that right. Yep. Perfect. Uh, he knocked Moama's out as well, hit a knee injury, uh, head injury for Spencer Nichols. He'll be out as well. Uh, questionable is also Devonte Coxie, which would be probably a pretty big one for your fantasy in case you're wondering on that one. A couple other ones here for Calgary Stampeders, Kadeem Carey, uh, Aaron Crawford, Trey Odoms-Dukes, uh, Colton Humchak, I expect that one, but Cam Judge also questionable this week. Diedrich Mills is questionable this week. I think that may be more of an illness, so they're seeing if Kadeem Carey is maybe ready to go. Uh, and also uh, Perry Young, linebacker, also questionable this week as well. Cole Tucker, uh, the wide receiver that just came in here, he's going to be out this week. So uh, make sure you adjust your rosters accordingly and maybe before uh, fantasy actually gets started. I'll talk about that again later on. But in the meantime, I'm going to let Ryan uh, talk about what he thinks is good in this fantasy uh, matchup. Well, it's interesting that uh, both the Calgary's running backs here are questionable this week, right? Is Kadeem Carey going to come back? Is Diedrich Mills ready to go? So many questions up in the air. Depth chart comes out and neither of them are on it. And Levante Bellamy for probably $2,500 in fantasy uh, is the starting running back. Then, yeah, I'm probably putting him in my lineup just for the cheap value play to, to spend big elsewhere. But I won't put him in the fantasy players to watch for now. Uh, if 
I put the depth charts in our Discord channel every time they come out uh, as well. Uh, and if there is a notable one that kind of shifts things, I will add more players to the player to watch list in there. So make sure you check out uh, some recommendations based on depth chart changes. Uh, but as we expect things to be, then stands now. I've got two names on the Calgary side, and they're both at wide receiver, and we've talked about both of them a little bit already here today. Trey Odoms-Dukes is $11,900 in fantasy, and I think he might be one of the biggest locks possible of the week if he's ready to go. He is questionable, uh, like you said, after being limited the past couple of days of practice, uh, but he's averaging 8.9 targets per game. It's the third most in the CFL. And the Argos give up a whopping 18 points per game to the left slot back position, which is five more than any other team in the league. It's by far one of the highest totals uh, anybody gives up to any particular wide receiver position. I think it's one of the juiciest matchups you can possibly have. I think this team is going to probably throw 30, 40 times again, and Odom's Dukes is probably getting uh, a quarter of those at least. So, I think that's, uh, if he's on the depth chart, I'm probably locking that play in there if I can make it work uh, money-wise. And if you can't and you still want to buy into a Calgary offense, that could be passing quite a bit against an Argos defense that is quite susceptible to it. Uh, Mark and Michelle, $6,000, four targets last week, zero catches. So I understand if most people don't want to go back to the well after being disappointed and getting that goose egg in your lineup. But his target share has remained consistent between four and six targets every single week. Uh, The offense likes to pass a lot, and the Argos give up the second worst in the CFL to the left wideout spot at 13.4 points per game. So uh, I think there's still value to be had in Mark and Michelle, and I think that value would only go up also if uh, if Odom's Dukes isn't quite ready to go uh, in this game. Uh, That's who I've got on the Calgary side. I'll give you a name on the Toronto side here shortly, but uh, back to you first, Adam, uh, Toronto and Calgary. Anybody from either of these teams catch your eye? Oh, I got lots this time on these both of these teams, actually. I'm going to pull off the Trey Colbeck. I'm going to be going quite a bit in the Toronto side of things. Uh, Chad Kelly is listed as my quarterback currently at the moment. Uh, I think he's going to have a bounce-back game uh, just because, you know what, he ain't going to have two bad games like he did last week against the Riders. Uh, and traditionally, the Stamps aren't the, maybe the strongest of defenses, I think, this year, and especially in the run game. So that means that A.J. Ouellette is definitely on my roster this week. Uh, he's had some big games, and Calgary gives up a lot of running yards. So to me, uh, definitely he's on my list as well. Uh, you did mention Trey Odom's Dukes. I do have him on my roster here uh, just because, of, again, the fantasy. Remember, fantasy doesn't mean you pick the team that wins the game. You pick the players that win you the most points. So I don't think, you know, spoiler alert, probably, I don't think Calgary is going to win this game. But I think that Trey Odenzooks is going to have a good game. So as long as he's healthy and he's playing, and I'll I'll keep Trey Odenzooks on my list. Uh, and the only other guy that I'm thinking about, uh, again, if that running back is, uh, if both carry and uh, Mills are hurt, I may pick up the Calgary running back just for the sake of picking up the guy because it's cheap. But uh, we'll see how that works for me. Mike, anybody you got in mind right now? Yeah, I don't want to run the risk of repeating what we have just talked about for the last 10 minutes. 
Uh, but based on what I feel about this matchup, this will be primarily where a lot of my players would come from uh, in this game. Yet I still have some some decisions to make. Um, you know, the, not, there's not a lot being said, um, but it just hasn't already been said um, about about Trey Odom's Duke. Uh, I, I really, 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 really am fascinated by this guy because he seems to do a lot of targets his way and, and catches a lot of balls. But, you know, I, at the risk of repeating myself, I like the Ardo's defense in this game um, as well. And then uh, I also expect AJ Willett to, well, do AJ Roulette type of things and probably have a hundred yard game and then Andrew Harris comes in and spells them off. And yeah, it's it, it's I expect the Ardos to play the Ardos way. And I think Calgary hangs with them for a while, but when all is said and done, this kind of disappears. Yeah, in terms of the options on the Toronto side, you know, I didn't have them on the list originally, but you guys convinced me and I'm going to throw them in there because as Adam was talking about, I'm going to start looking into the stats and I think you do have to consider AJ Olette as an option here for the uh, for the Argos in this one. Uh, you know, his performances have slightly gone downhill pretty much every week since week three, but uh outside of last week where he finished with 9.7 he's had over 11 in, in every game since week two so far this year so twelve thousand three hundred dollars salary you're probably hoping to get somewhere around 18 to 20 points from him there most of the time i don't know if he's getting that but i am i i am encouraged by his target shares going up uh, last week was three targets uh the last three weeks before that was two if he can keep that getting that higher and higher then that makes for for more potential from a fantasy perspective. Just rushing for 80 yards a game isn't going to get you a good running back. He's got to get the receptions. He's got to get the targets. Uh, and he's got to get the touchdowns, which he hasn't done in a couple of weeks. So been a bit down on Ouellette in the past couple of weeks. But like you said, the matchup is good uh, to starting running backs. Uh, the Stamps give up second most in the league in terms of fantasy points and 14.4 per game, uh, only behind Edmonton, who's on a bye this week. So it is actually the best running back matchup of the week uh, against the Stamp Eaters. On the other, and uh, I also have their Ar- Argos defense uh, at $9,700 in the players to watch here. Uh, they've put up double digits in three of their last five games. They face Jake Mayer, who leads the league with 11 interceptions on the year, and the Stamps also give up a couple sacks per game usually. It's one of the league's best defenses in a great matchup here uh, that could force them to pass the ball downfield quite a bit uh, there as well. So uh, those are our fantasy players to watch for this matchup. We go to the uh, betting lines here, and uh, the Argos are eight-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Calgary. The over-under is at 51. Um Let's go to you here first. Adam, what are you going to do for uh, your betting picks in this one? I said it earlier. I think the Argonauts are going to win this game. Uh, Eight and a half is a pretty big amount. Uh, That being said, though, I think the Argonauts are the better team. I think they have the better offense. I think they have the better defense. 
and we've seen them score lots of points in special teams. So give me the Argonauts. And 51. Um, it could be a lot of pick sixes, but I don't know. Uh, no, I think I'm going to go with the under on this one just because I think that's quite a few points. Uh, the Argonauts did get shut out there in the offense a little bit last week, and that kind of played in a little bit of my thoughts. Uh, and Stampeders, you know, I don't know why. They just can't seem to score very often and consistently. So, yeah, Toronto in the under. Yeah, how many Rennie Parodies uh, field goals do they need to uh, to get to the over here for you? I mean, you got six of them. You have them on your roster. You got six last week. Uh, uh, yeah, and by the way, I just want to thank Trey again for releasing uh, Rennie Perez right when he did. Oh, Trey. Oh, Trey. He made some good moves this week. We'll get into that uh, in a bit, uh, or at the end of the show also. Uh, Mike, what about you? Uh, what are you taking this game? Yeah, I like Toronto the cover here, and I'm going to take the over. Um, I think this is one of those where the idols could, could put up 40 just by themselves. Um, I, I'm a little curious to me because this line, at least on the over, under seems a little bit on the low side. I'm going to go 65 plus points here. Wow, that, that's a high total. So you're hitting something like, what, 40 to 30? All right, so it'd be 70. Or... 41, 27, something like that. All right. Yeah. So, like, blow out in the second half, or what are you thinking, Mike? Sorry? Like, blow out in the second half, or what are we thinking here? Yeah, I'm thinking they keep it close and then pull away late second quarter, early third quarter with a couple turnovers. Okay. Just, just, just because I think Jade Mayer is going to throw the ball an awful lot, and I think that's going to lead to a couple interceptions, if not pitch sixes. Yeah, I'm going to take Toronto here as well to cover the minus eight and a half, and I, I hate it when the line is this big, but I think I'm also going to take the over. And a large part of that is both the Argos have produced a lot of points and also, uh, you know, they give up a lot through the air and Calgary's a passing team. I think Jake Mayer is going to throw for over 300 yards in this game. I just think he might throw a couple interceptions, which could lead to more points on the board for Toronto there as well. So I'm not going to go quite as high as Mike and say something in the 65-point range necessarily, but I, I think this is one that I could see being a 52 to 57-point game. Uh, in this one, so I'll take the Argos and the over there as well. Uh, well just just for context, something like 28-28 already puts it at the over. Yep, that is absolutely true. Um, and that's where the math gets hard on these sometimes, because that seems like a very reasonable score to me. So uh, let's move on to our third game of the week here. We've got the Montreal Alouettes heading into Hamilton, I believe, to face the Ticats. Uh, they've played once earlier this year, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, this game comes Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, let's start with Adam. What are we talking about here for Hamilton? Well, they're playing at home. That's nice. Uh they also have uh, Bo Levi Mitchell back on the six-game injured list after breaking his leg. And Seriously, apparently Adam. Still gonna... where, 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 give me your thoughts on that, because we already talked about it yesterday. What do you think about the play call? I don't know. I thought that John Craig Dickinson is a pretty terrible coach. Tommy Condell, what in the world are you thinking? 
If that was Tommy's call or Bo's call, I don't know whose it is. Whoever it is shouldn't be on the on a football team. Honestly, it was a bad call. You're winning the game. All you got to do is take a knee. What else is there to do? I mean, don't get me wrong. I know it was a divisional rival. I know you're probably competing for him for playoff spots, and you probably want to get as many points as you possibly can. I get the theory of why you did what you did, but at that point, Bo Levi Mitchell probably isn't 100%. If he is, well, he must have super regenerative powers or something. <laughs> uh, he, again, the game is pretty well over, at hand, well at hand. Just take the win and walk out. You get the season series at this point because Hamilton already won once before against Ottawa. So in reality, there was no point of taking those ex- getting those extra points. Uh, it was a dumb call, a dumb play. A, a quarterback that shouldn't be injured is now injured, and we're all uh, for the worse of it or for the better of it because we don't have to see Bolivar Mitchell throw five interceptions and we get the chance to see Taylor Powell. Because, in all honesty, that's where we're going now. Uh, Taylor Powell is back here for this uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. He's going to be in for probably a few games anyways, because Matthew Schultz is also injured. Uh, I mean, he's uh, had some help a little bit here in the last little bit from James Butler kind of coming out of the backfield. Uh, He's had a little bit of help from others. Is there any piece here, guys, that uh, would keep Taylor Powell going on the right path here uh, that you can see? Is it, or is it just uh, the play call from Tony Condell is has to be better? What do you guys think? Uh, Ron? Yeah. I mean, I've talked about we're eight, nine weeks in the CFL season. So I've talked about for that many weeks that the play calling needs to be better in Hamilton, except maybe on their bye week. Maybe I gave them a break then. Uh, I think that is a big piece of it. Uh, Taylor Powell, you know, it's got a tough matchup against this Montreal defense is actually pretty good and been shutting uh, passing attacks down pretty well so far this year. So I don't think it's an easy matchup for Powell to come back in here. I think he's got to play smart football, got to use his legs a little more. We saw him do, a, you know, a 20 something yard uh, touchdown run in his first start a couple of weeks ago. I like that from him. A uh, good mix of that uh, in his game, and I, I, I think he does have the potential to be successful here. They've got weapons in that offense. He's just got to use them. Mike, any thoughts on Taylor Powell and what they could do? He's got nothing. He's got nothing. Okay, no problem. I'm just going to quickly run through the injury report for the Red Blocks and the Alouettes, and then Mike... Uh, you're going to give us your thoughts on those Montreal Alouettes. Uh, over on the Ottawa side of the football for injuries this Hamilton. week so far. Cap- Ooh, what's that, sorry? Hamilton, not Ottawa. Oh, Hamilton, my bad. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm clicking on the wrong things. I'm That's why, because I said Ottawa at first. Uh, I clicked on the wrong one, but here we go now. Uh, we've got Walter Fletcher. He's been fully practicing this week. Siante Evans has been... Uh, uh, did not practice with a leg injury today. Uh, a couple of limiteds as well. Sean Jameson, uh, Greg Ellingson, he's been limited in practice. He has been on the sixth game. Uh, also, Austin Mack is on the sixth game, which is a big loss if he doesn't play. Uh, he has an ankle injury that's been nagging him. Uh, Keon Julian Grant uh, did not practice. Hand injury, uh, that's a pretty big one also 
for the Montreal Alouettes. He is confirmed to be out this week, I believe, as he well. confirmed out? Yeah, I didn't have that quite yet, but yeah, okay. Uh, the other one that I've got here is over on the Hamilton side of the football. Well, of course, we know Bold Levi Mitchell is out. I uh, can't really play with a broken leg. Uh, Casey Sales, uh, he will also be uh, limited right now. He's been limited in practice, defensive lineman, uh, Achilles injury. I don't know why it always says Achilles injury and it's not that serious. Usually whenever I hear the word Achilles, that's not good. Unless it's inflamed or something. I'm not, I, I'm not a doctor. What can I say? I'm out for at least six weeks just hearing about an Achilles injury, so. Well, that's what I always think. I mean, really, Achilles? Like, I mean, like I said, I'm not a doctor. I just play one here once every so often. Uh, Tyrell McAllister, uh, the new running back that they've been kind of running in different plays and doing some returns with, limited in practice this week with an ankle injury. Uh, Who else do we have on here? Mason Bennett, a defensive lineman, hamstring injury. Uh, He hasn't practiced yet this week. Same thing with Anthony Johnson, wide receiver, American. Uh, he hasn't practiced as well with a hamstring injury. Uh, Myro, Miles Marino. That name must scare some people in Ottawa, at least the Marino part. Uh, he's not been practicing as well in the injury, uh, the fullback. Uh, other than that, that's what I see right at the moment, unless I'm missing something. Uh, Chris Van Zyl has been limited in practice, just non-football related. So probably he'll be fine, the big offensive lineman. Uh, Mike, what can you tell us about the Montreal Alouettes this week? Yeah, so sorry, guys. Yeah, they look like – whoops. So I have some really weird things going on on my screen right now. Uh, we're dead. Um, no, I <laughs> – um, no, I uh, – listen, I, I like what uh, – I like a lot of what I saw uh, from Montreal last week. Uh, obviously, Julian Grant injury, Max question mark. It's kind of a little bit uh, not ideal, but you know, Montreal did give them a lot of credit. I think they're deeper at receiver than a lot of people give them credit for. Uh, it was the return of Phil Pot. Uh, last week that was very very interesting um didn't factor in on the statistical end of it at all um uh, i like sneed he's a very very sneaky sort of wide receiver had a three touchdown game uh another positive note is that standback had 60 plus yards rushing um, I think he's only averaged something like 40, 40 or so coming into that game. Um, the one negative thing is a lot of those yards were were in the first half for Stambat, and he was kind of neutralized in the second half. Um, the positive is I don't think Cody Fajardo took the sack uh, in the game. If he did, it was very little. Uh that's a positive development. Um, Montreal, for me, guys, is the front runner for second in the East, as far as I'm concerned. Um, they've shown more constant consistency than Ottawa and Hamilton. Uh, that being said, from kind of 
well, what you see is what you get with him. But I still feel like overall consistency, Montreal might be the second best team in this division. And I think that's the way um, it, it's going to play out. Um, but all in all, in my humble estimation, Montreal needs to work on that, that killer instinct. Uh, they have multiple attempts to put Calgary away last week and didn't do it. Uh, in fact, it was really only mistakes of their own that gave Calgary a chance to get down to the goal line late in the game uh, when really it shouldn't have happened in my mind. Um, but I think given Montreal's record, um, you know, they have flaws, but I think the dread outweighs the bad in that scenario. Um, if there's a TV watching sort of rankings as far as, you know, if I take my bomber hat off and there's specific teams that I want to watch, Suddenly, these divisions gotten pretty intriguing with a lot of teams to watch, whereas in previous years, it would have been, for me, the West, you know, right. the Calgary's or Saskatchewan. You know, Montreal, very entertaining to watch. Ottawa, very entertaining to watch. Uh, Toronto, what they're doing with Kelly, very, very interesting to watch. And, I mean, just into this whole discussion, not to get too far away from the original task at hand, but I think the balance of power, if it isn't even, is slowly tilting in the favor of the East Division, ever so slightly. Because there were games in recent years where the West would have won head-to-head against the East, and it's not even a question. Now the Eastern teams are cutting into that. And I think Montreal is number two in the East as far as watchability. And they might be in the top four for watchability across the whole CFL. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I did see some comments there in the chat. Looks like we had a couple more people uh, hop in there. Hi, Richard. Hi, Jeff. Um, You know, asking who's left at receiver for the Alouettes. Uh, I believe Courtney Davis is probably going to come into the lineup now with Cam Julian Grant out. Uh, He did play two games earlier this year. I think he came out of the lineup when Tyson Philpott came back in. So uh, he'll probably come back in because presumably Ellingson's not ready to go yet. And neither is Reggie White. Uh, Let's talk fantasy players and I'll start on the Montreal side of things. Uh, Austin Mack, throw him out there yet again, once again this week at $10,000. We knew he was inevitably going to have a down week eventually. And if that down week was a 6.7 points last week, well, that's not too bad. He's still got five targets. He still averages eight per game. If KG, KJG, uh, Kayon Julian Grant is out this week, he averages seven targets a game. Those have to go somewhere. I expect Mac to be a target machine yet again this uh, this time around, and he's also got a decent position matchup against the Thai Cats, uh, who give up ten point seven to left wideouts. Here's a name I haven't put in the players to watch once yet this year, and he finally makes the list, and that is William Standback at nine thousand dollars. Standback is a great running back. He's not a great fantasy running back. Uh, hasn't been for the past couple of years, but he's getting there, and it intrigues me. Uh, my biggest knock has also always been the lack of receiving work for him. 
but so far this year, he's averaged almost four targets a game and 27 and a half receiving yards per game. That is something you absolutely like to see from a running back. He's still super cheap at nine grand. Uh, and he's put up around 13 points in four of his six games so far this year, but doesn't have any touchdowns on the season. So if he can keep producing like that and then get in in the end zone in a favorable matchup against the Ticats here, I think he'll have a great week for the price. I think Stanback is a great fit potentially there uh, and one of the top running back options for the price this week. I've got a couple options on the Ticats side of things as well, uh, but any fantasy players quickly here for you. Uh, let's start with you, Mike. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, at the risk of uh, repeating myself, just basically insert what Ryan just said in the last two minutes into here, and we'll go with that. All right. Anybody on the Hamilton side for you or no? Uh, for me? Yeah. Um, this gets interesting because when you talk about cheap value, um. I think there might be some value in playing the Hamilton starting quarterback, uh, who whose name escapes me at the moment. Taylor um, Powell. Uh, Powell, just from a standpoint that he can kind of throw the ball, run the ball, make things happen. The scary thing for me with him, and I think sort of any other quarterback in their second game would be can they minimize the turnovers? So, can you stomach that sort of suggestion? Um, I got burned by this. I think it was two weeks ago. I put McAllister in my fantasy lineup. Um, certainly, he could get a little more touches. James Butler, all of a sudden, quietly, sort of methodically uh, doing things to, well, Made Condell want to run the ball all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, I hate to say this this way, but Hamilton, for fantasy purposes, has been very jattle and hide. And I think it goes with the consistency at their quarterback kind of scenario. And, that's why, if it's not McAllister, if it's not James Butler, I'm almost wondering if Hamilton is a no play this week. And it's possible. It's very uh, possible to have teams like that. Uh, Adam, what about you, either side of this matchup? Uh, who catches your, your fantasy eye? Well, absolutely. I do like uh, William Stanback in this game. Uh, Hamilton, I just don't trust that defensive line to get the job done up front. So I think that I'll take stand back for sure. Uh, one that I'm going to probably, and I don't know if I'm ready to be hurt again, but I guess I'm going to try. Duke Williams, come on back to my team here. Uh, Ten and a half thousand. He's a little expensive, but here's my thing. He's averaging 13 fantasy points uh, a week. He had a very good game against the Alouettes in week one. I think he's going to be a good pick this week. I hope he's going to be a good pick this week. Just don't do anything dumb this week, uh, Duke Williams. And uh, maybe I'll pick you again some other time later on. Uh, yeah, usually – and he's also had 419 yards reception this year. I mean, he's had a decent year. It's just that, you know, the team around him, everybody looks at it and says, I'm not going to pick Hamilton, and I'm not picking Hamilton players. So I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to take Duke Williams uh, over Austin Mack. I mean, I was debating about Mack. I was debating about Williams. But uh, – 
I think Taylor Powell needs somebody open and a guy that can he can rely on and lean on. And I think that's going to have to be Duke Williams. So that's what I'm going to go with. All right, for the Ticats, I've got James Butler. I've got my eye on him here this week. He's averaging almost five targets a game uh, in his last three games. You know, they really, there was that brief moment where in three or four weeks, they gave him at least 14 carries, and then it dropped off here now again. Eight carries two weeks ago, six carries last week. That's unacceptable uh, to give that to James Butler. And so, yeah, that comes from back off all. Oops, sorry. So Tony Gondell's back from holidays. I guess so. Yeah, um, that that's unacceptable usage of your star running back to me. Uh, but even despite that, like he had, uh, he has twenty six combined rushing yards in the last two weeks. But he's averaged forty something yards through the air and four catches a game uh, over that span. That's eight fantasy points just through the air there. You don't pass really against the Alouettes. They've got a very good passing defense, uh, and I think there's more room for them to run there. Also, you've got a rookie in Powell there that should be able to lean on him a little bit. Uh, I'm high on James Butler in this matchup. I think he is the best uh, matchup there available for the Ticats. And you know what? I'm going to throw Tim White in here at $12,000 as well. He's struggled to put up the big numbers this year we expect from him, but he plays against the, but. I think he's got the best matchup of anybody on the team at left slot back here. They give uh, the outlets actually give up the second most to that position in the CFL and a substantial three more points per game than they do to any other position at wide receiver. So if they're drawing up a proper offensive game plan, chances are in my opinion that Tim White's going to get the ball and going his direction uh, a decent number of times. If there's ever a time for him to get going, I think this is the matchup to do it. Uh, we'll move on to our betting picks here. And we've got uh, Montreal is two and a half point favorites on the road in Hamilton. The over-under line is 45. Mike, I think you're up first on this game. Yeah, I like Montreal and I like Montreal to cover and I like them to go... Under... So I was just playing with numbers in my head, and the one I came up with was 23-20. I like how you come up with these scores so quick. I, I can never do it. Uh, I can never never pick the scores in my head. Um, yeah, 23-20 would do it. The Alouettes would win by three. It would cover it. would uh, match what you picked there so far. Uh, Adam, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Alouettes again as well. I think that with Sean Levin now going into his second week, he's ready to go, and he's going to probably make a miserable life for a young uh, rookie quarterback, unfortunately. So I'm going to go with the Alouettes, and I'm going to go with the under on this game as well. I think that there just isn't much scoring options, especially if Austin Mack is really hurt as badly as they say. If he is, and he actually is out, that could really affect that over-under, I think, pretty significantly. So, yeah, give me the under and give me the Alouettes. I will take the under here as well. I'm not sure how Powell's going to do against this uh, this Montreal defense. Also, Montreal's offense has really struggled to put touchdowns on the board. Uh, I mentioned that uh, Stanback doesn't have a touchdown yet this year. An interesting stat line quickly here for Cody Fajardo. Um, 
he only has passing touchdowns in two of his six games, I believe, so far this season, and he's never thrown for more than 300 yards, and yet he still sits third place uh, in average fantasy points among quarterbacks because he likes to run the ball in. So they don't throw very many touchdowns, the Alouettes. Uh, he's run in for a couple, but uh low-scoring game, I think this matchup uh, means for these two teams, so I will take the under here as well. Uh, let's move on to our final game, or Mike? Excuse me, but I'd like to open the nomination process for David Colsey to be special teams player of the year in the East Division. I'm glad I picked him in our fantasy draft. Uh, let's move on to our final game of the week here, which is the Ottawa Red Blacks at the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This game takes place Sunday night uh, to finish off the week. Um, let's go to you first, uh, Mike, for the Ottawa side of things here. Yeah, Ottawa victimized by a weather delay somewhat, victimized by an offense that couldn't really get going, had a chance to win again, maybe a victim of poor play calling again down by the goal line. Otherwise, we'd be talking about a four, maybe even a five-game win streak if you put, you know, the recent two losses, you know, at about two and a half yards uh, gained. Um Obviously, there's a lot of positives for Ottawa. It looks like they're going to get Braylon Addison back. It looks like they suddenly found a running game. Uh, Lorenzo Molden might be the defensive player of the year in the East Division, with, although some Ardos might have a might have a, a a say at that by the time this is all done. Um, Dustin Crum, hard to suggest this, but. Needs to be better. Um, needs to be a little bit more accurate in my mind. Uh, Hamilton had a linebacker spying on him, so his ability to escape the pocket was severely limited uh, in, in some cases. Um, I, I think at points, Tahari Jones needs to take the training wheels off of Dustin Crum and just sort of release sort of Dustin Crumb to do what he wants to do. Um, for me, and I, I'm sorry to sound so offensive heavy with this thing, but there seems to have to be an understanding that you need to be able to trust your quarterback. I'm not saying that's not happening, but I just wonder what Dustin Crumb's ability is to change the play at the line. Um, I don't know if he's there yet where he can kind of read his own plays and see what's coming. Um, but I'd just like to see a little more trust in Dustin Crum. Um, if this continues, I, I fully believe that he's the franchise quarterback. Um, certainly one of the better ones they may have had uh, in Ham- in uh, sorry in Ottawa, maybe since Henry Burris. Um, that might be stretching it a little bit, but you know what? I'll come out and say this right now, even though it's going to be kind of destroying my pit. Ottawa has to come into this game and assert their will and put their foot on the gas in this one. To me, the way their opposition is playing, there's zero excuses right now. Uh, if Ottawa doesn't come out of here with the victory, it, it will be very disappointing, and there will be a lot of questions asked 
about that team at quarterback this week. Uh, what do you got over on the Saskatchewan side of things, Adam, or anything to add on Ottawa? Uh, not a whole lot on Ottawa. I mean, they've had a pretty good season now. All of a sudden, uh, yeah, they turned right around when Dustin Crum showed up, and uh, good on them. I love seeing young quarterbacks come into this league and start to show something because, you know what, we need those young quarterbacks, no matter who it is. If it's uh, Dustin Crum, if it's uh, even Dane Evans, he's not the youngest guy around, I won't say that, but Chad Kelly and uh, a few others, that would be just great to see some more guys coming up. And whoever wins the Edmonton job, I guess, who's getting tried out this week. Uh, yeah, that's I wanted to just quickly bring up. Yeah, Edmonton, they're, uh, Taylor Cornelius is now the number three quarterback uh, this week. Trey Ford and uh, uh, not Seth Daggy, don't call him Seth Daggy, uh, Jerry is also the uh, guy that could possibly get that job. So they're going to try anyways. Hey, good on them uh, for trying stuff. Unlike the team that I got to talk about now, which is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Boy, did that bug me the other day when uh, Craig Dickinson, right after, during the press conference, right after a game against in Halifax, in which they lost, said, hey, Mason Fine is our starting quarterback the next week. Good on him for giving him the confidence. I get it. I mean... You got to stick with your guns, I suppose. But you know what? There's also a guy that went four for four, had a touchdown, and that was Jake Dolagala. And Ryder Nation has been screaming for Jake Dolagala to possibly get more of a look and get more of a chance to start. Uh, I mean, the commentator of the Rough Riders uh, has been screaming about Mason Fine uh, being the guy and he hasn't done anything wrong to lose his job. Think about it. Sometimes you don't have to do anything wrong to lose your job in in sports. You just can't be, you got to be better just than the other guy. And in this case, right now, Mason Fine is throwing too many interceptions to say that he's better than Jake Dolagal. I'm sorry. It's time to give the other guy the opportunity to get his chance, or at least you have a very short lease. If Jason Fine is going to start this game, you have a very short lease. Now, that's my opinion on the things. Uh, the Riders also in this game uh, we'll be bringing in another offensive lineman. They did this week. I don't know if he'll be playing. It's Jordan Tucker. Uh, he was in the offensive line uh, during training camp. Uh, came over uh, a little while ago. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with him. Eric Lofton, actually, I was just looking through the transaction list, was very quietly released by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which is another offensive lineman. Uh, see, he was released actually last uh, on July 21st. Uh, kind of funny that one never got uh, brought up. But nevertheless, uh, the Riders need offensive line help. They always have. And that's what everybody's going to be talking about for the next week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, because it never goes away right now for the Rough Riders. Until they can get that settled up, there isn't really much more to talk about. The defense is stellar. There is no I, – honestly, I think the Riders' defense right now is probably maybe best or second best in the league behind BC. It, it's a great defense right now in, in Saskatchewan. Ryan just backed into a lucky pick when he picked them for the head-to-head. I didn't uh, back into a lucky pick. They were the first defense picked off the board uh, in our fantasy draft. Yeah. All, all we know is when Ryan picks the first player, he means he wanted to get the second player. That's who he's yeah. always after. It's the second one, right? Like and it eight. works out fine when they're both the top, top scoring defenses. Adam, can I just interject on something quickly? You seem sure. so upset 
You seem so set on Dolajala getting a lot. Is that based on previous history or one drive in garbage time? Because I, I can't help but think that there's, there's a segment of people out there that's saying, yeah, Adam, it's one thing for him to get the starting job. But yes, he went four for four with a couple confident throws when the game was seemingly out of hand. And I, I'm not trying to disagree with you because I, I I happen to agree with you and I think that should have been the, the decision right from day one. But what would you say to the crowd that says, yeah, Adam, but he only came in one drive, was four for four, looked confident doing so, but really, Adam, the game was over. Fair enough, but my thing is, he's the bigger quarterback, he's got the bigger arm, he is the guy that I think uh, has more experience in the quarterback position in the pro leagues, Uh, and I think, honestly, he's got more of the pedigree than uh, Mason Fine at this moment. I think that Mason Fine is an okay quarterback, don't get me wrong. Uh, he, he definitely proved it over the years. Uh, has had it, and let's face it, it, it don't matter if you put Dollar Gallo or you put Shea Patterson or you put uh, Mason Fine in there right now. The offensive line is going to get you murdered. Uh, my thought on this is Jake Gallo is six foot eight or six foot nine. He's a tall, tall guy. He can maybe at least see something coming before he gets nailed. Uh, that being said, probably not the most mobile quarterback, and I'm sure that's probably also thought of in Saskatchewan, especially with a head coach like Craig Dickinson, who's been used to quarterbacks that can run around a little bit, need be uh, Cody Fajardo or even Mason Fine can move around a little bit. Even Trevor Harris, to an extent, we've seen him moving around, even though maybe he shouldn't have against Edmonton. We won't talk about that. Uh, nevertheless, I think that Dolagala, to me, is the better quarterback for the future. Uh, we've seen three years of Mason Fine already. And we haven't seen a whole lot like that spark out of Mason Fine yet that I think Ryder Nation has been looking for. Uh, so that's why I'm saying Dalla Gala uh, probably should get the – at least get more of a look. I don't want to say that he should be anointed the starter and paraded down Victoria Avenue. I want to say, though, that he should be the guy that probably gets maybe an opportunity here and there, play a series, and get him starting in the CFL a little bit more. Yes, last year he did play a little bit against it was at the BC Law or the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the Banjo Bowl uh, after he got carted in pretty much from Jeremy O'Day. Uh, I think he played maybe like a little bit of a series in those. And I think he maybe had a game afterwards against Edmonton that he played a little bit. But it wasn't like again consistent, steady starts. I think that now you have to get into the time where Mason Fine uh, maybe got a short leash and you put in Dolly Gallup. I'm going to be the devil's advocate here and say, keep giving Mason Fine the start. I, I think he was held back in at least one of his starts by a poor offensive game plan that was just trying to ease him into it. Uh, yeah, the interceptions have been a concern, but other than that, you know, I, I think he he's completed. Uh, you know, I think he's made some good passes in there. And I think if Harris is going to be out most of the season, you got to build that consistency and that chemistry. You also benefit from Calgary not being very good and Edmonton being hot garbage. So uh, I, I think there's still room, even if Fine can play respectable ball. Uh, I just want to see the Riders have consistency. What I wouldn't want to see them do is go to Dolagala. He struggles a game, can go back to Fine, back and forth, back and forth, right? Um, which maybe it wouldn't be. Maybe Dolagala would steal the show, but... 
Uh, I'm in the camp of getting Mason Fine uh, more starts here uh, going forward. Uh, what do we have for injuries here, Adam? Do you have the injury report for these two teams? Yep, sure do. Uh, over on the Ottawa side of the football, uh, Braden Addison, he is apparently going to be coming back uh, fairly soon. Uh, Non-football related, he was out on Wednesday, but eh, not a big issue. Uh, Tavon Smith is back as well. Uh, that's a nice Canadian wide receiver for them as well. Uh, Dante Bull, he didn't practice because of an injury uh, illness. He'll be fine. Damon Webb, uh, shoulder injury, didn't practice. Uh, Douglas Coleman, uh, another defensive back, didn't practice because of an illness. Must be an illness going through Ottawa right now because also Thomas Schaefer, uh, the B lineman, is also out with illness this week. Uh, Nate Bahar, uh, limited with an Achilles injury. Again, that always gives me a little bit of a cringe when I hear the word Achilles. Uh, over on the Rough Riders side of the football, uh, one name that actually is uh, at least practicing a little bit here is Darrell Walker. He was limited in practice with a knee injury. He's just coming back from the sixth game. I'm not sure if they'll probably play him yet or not. Same thing also with Jawan Breskison. Uh, shoulder injury with him. Uh, probably could use the help with the Canadian receiving side of things. Uh, I know that they just got uh, Brandon Lenius back, uh, and hopefully uh, Mitch Picton will be healthy soon. Uh, just for some backup as well. But uh would be nice to see Breskison back out there as well, swapping in with uh, Lenius, who is, uh, didn't practice actually this week so far. Uh, foot injury for him as well. Uh, a couple of other injuries that you may want to know about. Uh, Jackson Ford, uh, backup defensive back. I uh, don't see him playing very much, especially with Dolkey uh, in there uh, having a good season. Uh, he's got an ankle injury. He's limited in practice this week. Uh, Matt Dean, linebacker again. Full practice, though. He was going this week, which is nice to see. Uh, and then Keon Schaefer-Baker was limited in practice again. So that means he is trying to practice a little bit, Schaefer-Baker. I know that they've said now that he's probably going to be more of Labor Day. Uh, they're still going with Labor Day with him. But uh, as much as I don't, I want to see him back, I also don't want to see Ryan with that big smug look on his face too many times because I know that means bad things are about to happen for the Rough Riders. I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just waiting for him to come off the IR in our fantasy league and put him in there right after drafting him. So uh, I've been waiting all season for KSB. Uh, well, to come back. I would expect a trade offer to come your way for that gentleman. Hey, I'm always listening. I'll probably shut you down because, uh, but uh, I'll always listen to the trade offers at least. Uh, let's I, get into I, fantasy. I just let's don't think it'll be too much. Uh, let's get into fantasy players for this week uh, in this matchup between these two teams. Touched on some injuries there from the Ottawa side, guys getting healthy. I don't know if Addison's coming back necessarily this week. Uh, could be not till next week, but with Tavon Smith coming back, they also just signed Maurice French, uh, who was let go by the Elks as well. A lot of changes at wide receiver for the Red Blacks. Also, Shaq Evans, this is his second game back. I don't know what to do with their wide receiver room, so I'm staying away from them all in fantasy this week. But Dustin Crum, uh, he's almost an auto start any given week. It's a given. Did you know he's the leading running back in the CFL uh, in terms of yards per game? He averages 85 rushing yards per start uh, since he's taken over as the starting running back. Comparison, for comparison, Brady Oliveira leads all running backs with 75, so almost 10 more yards per game than the best running back in the CFL. 
He's $7,500. You get the league's best running back who also happens to throw the ball over 20 times a game. Uh, Dustin Crum at the current price. Uh, it's not even an, it's not even a consideration for me, uh, the, not to put him in my lineup, pretty much locking him in there, uh, at quarterback and honestly, probably considering him to be a captain for Ottawa. I also like their defense. The Riders have given up an average of 11 and a half fantasy points per game to defenses over the last four weeks. We touched on some interception troubles for Mason Fine. And I think it's a great matchup for Red Blacks defense that can make some big plays and did put up a big total last week, which also I think coincided with the return of Javon Santos Knox into that lineup. Uh, those are two guys I've got on Ottawa's side. Uh, Adam, either team in this game, uh, who do you have? Yeah, no, I've got uh, the Ottawa defense because, you know what? I, again, I'm not very confident in Mason Fine not throwing a couple picks, so... Give me the Ottawa defense at least for one of them. Uh, and the other one that I've got right now is over on the green side of the football. Braden Lenius, yes, he had a bad week last week by missing a few catches. I think that they were trying to get him involved a little bit more against Toronto, and I think they'll try again against Ottawa. So uh, Lenius and the Ottawa defense is what I've got picked. Again, make sure you double-check on those depth charts and injury reports there as well, right? I, I've heard Linus' injury is not great, so could be out of the lineup potentially uh, this week uh, as well. So, Adam, make sure you set your lineup and uh, update it properly uh, if that happens. Uh, Mike, what about you uh, from either Ottawa or Saskatchewan? I don't need words to tell me exactly what Adam is thinking. <laughs> I I feel the wheels up in his brain about ready to combust every time we mention fantasy and lineup and the word set. Um, it just seems to me like something of a trigger for Adam. Uh, so I wonder why. Don't worry, buddy. I, I feel for you. I'm just telling you what your face projects from here. Um, no, but your your original question to me is, uh, who do I like in fantasy? I like the Ottawa defense. Um, I am really, really struggling with how I feel about Jamal Morrow. Um He's a guy that I played in fantasy the last couple weeks to underwhelming results, I, I think would be fair. Um, I, I just, I wonder if there comes a point where you maybe look at a, a split in carries between him and Frankie Hitson. Um it just seems like they're not doing enough running the ball to help their quarterback, regardless of who it is. Um, again, that might be traced back to a byproduct of offensive line versus quarterback versus, you know, a number of circumstances. Um, so I just, that's my long way of saying stay away from Jamal Morrow. Uh, for 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 me personally, for David seems to have been really disappointed by that individual. Um, 
I keep playing Samuel Emelis um, in our private lead. Um, I just seem to think that since that three-touchdown game that he had, um, he's also been underutilized. Um, still waiting for him to make those big catches. But again, if a quarterback can't get you in the end zone, how do you expect to get, you know, touchdown points? I guess would be a fair assessment. And again, for Ottawa, I like Crum. Um, I like um, Hardy. I, I like Jake Hardy. Uh, he's quietly had a couple of... Justin Hardy? Yeah, yeah, Justin Hardy. Yeah. Jake, you don't want Jake Hardy. He's a Montreal receiver that yeah. hardly ever does anything. Yeah, yeah. So Justin Hardy. Um, quietly, I think Ottawa's running game. He's giving me something to think about there. Um, just from a standpoint, but I think eventually that's going to be very successful, especially if Crum continues to run the ball the way he has. Um, I think that opens up a little more options. The only thing I'm worried about there is that for Devontae Williams, like any time they get near the end zone, there is a large chance he's not getting – Williams isn't getting the run into the end zone. It's going to be Dustin Crum. I think that's Andre Hari Jones for giving it a bit of a different look. Yeah, because, no, because absolutely. It, because it's almost like you become so predictable down near the goal line. It's yeah, like, let's, let's not hand the ball off to Leitre on, on an I formation oh. near the goal line on the, that no. key play like last week. Don't, um, even get, don't even get me started, Ryan. I, I have agitation almost as much as Adam does with this lineup, not laughing about that. But that, that's a discussion for another day. But, yeah, no, you're right uh, that, uh, you know, I, I am impressed with what Devontae Williams did last week. It's just Crumb's rushing ability makes me steer a bit clear there on that side. Uh, another reason to add for staying away from Jamal Morrow on top of what you mentioned is never pick a running back against the Ottawa Red Blacks. They, no. Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, they give up 3.4 yards per carry, uh, which is best in the CFL. Uh, so if you want and expect for Jamal Morrow to have a good day, you better run the ball 20 to 30 times, and that's never going to happen uh, in a game. So... I uh, yeah, don't like that that option either, but I do have two options on the rider's side I will throw out here for you guys. And Adam, you may want to plug your ears for the first one here because I think if you're not taking Dustin Crumb, I think Mason Fine is a very viable fantasy sleeper option for the week. He has averaged 40 passing attempts a game since he became the starter. And again, you don't run the ball against Ottawa, so expect more of the same again this week. 40 pass attempts means 40 opportunities for yardage there. Four interceptions to zero touchdowns so far does hurt his stat line, but let's say a slight adjustment in the opposite direction suddenly makes him a very uh, good potential value play there. Again, you know, limited to one interception this week if he can throw one or two touchdowns this week. Uh, for his sixty-five hundred dollar price, you're making bank. All I can say is, uh, all I heard was good sleeper pick. So I'll presume you're talking about Jake Dalagala, right? <laughs> no, it's uh, it's Mason Fine. If if Crumb wasn't available, I would probably roll with him. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm so upset with him. I don't even want to make any more fine jokes. I mean, it's it's not good anymore. 
Definitely not fine. That's fine. Um, the other option is Tevin Jones at wide receiver at $13,600. He leads all wide receivers in fantasy points per game so far this year with 17.3. He has 21 targets in his last two games when Mason Fine took over at quarterback. Uh, again, expecting a high volume of passing from the riders. And also Ottawa gives up a league worst 13.4 points per game to left wideouts, which is where Tevin Jones lines up. So, uh, you know, Sean Bain also has gotten that share of targets. They're around the same price. I don't think I'd be spending that much on two Saskatchewan wide receivers in this game. So give me Tevin Jones, who has the better matchup of the two there. Uh, betting picks in this game, the Red Blacks are one-point favorites on the road into Saskatchewan uh, to face the Riders. The over-under line is set at 44. Um, hmm. I guess I should go first on this one again. What do I want to do in this game? I could flip a coin on this one as well. Um, I think it's going to be close right down to the wire. I believe in the magic from Dustin Crum. I think I'm going to take the Red Blacks to win this one. Uh, But I think it could be 44... Yeah, you know what? I'll take the over. I'll take the over on this one as well. I'll take uh, Ottawa to win this one. Uh, and uh, like, I don't know if I'm going with Mike math here, like 28-24 or something like that. Uh, football game here is uh, what I could see happening. Uh, let's go to you next, Mike. Yeah, I feel this is a one-possession game. I feel this is a 21-17 victory for the visitors coming here. Um, I feel it's going to be decided in the last three minutes and it's going to be decided on the final possession one way or another. So 21-17, so you are taking the under just to confirm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Adam, what about you? Well, I've been baiting this one all week, especially when it's this close. I mean, technically, Ottawa's pretty much beaten that three-point little buffer that they have for home team advantage uh, quite nicely, so... Ah, you know what? I'm going to take the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I'm going to go with a 30 to 27 game. Uh, Jake Dolegala comes in in the half and wins this one for the Riders, and I'm going to say that Brett Lowther walks this off into Pill Country, and the Rider fans can go home happy, and Craig Dickinson gets to keep his job for one more game because honestly. I think it's almost to that time where Craig Dickinson's career or job is on the line. Not quite yet, but getting very close. I mean, with how he's played so far this year, Brett Lauder might just walk off into pill country for other reasons than, uh, you know, a a successful walk-off homer. But I think either way he walks off into pill country, he misses or he hits it. So I, I have a question about that. If you seem so set that, Craig Dickinson's job is as in, as in peril as you and a couple of other writer fans, but I seem to know is. I I understand that, but what would you say to those that said, well, he hasn't really been given a proper quarterback if, if you look at Cody, if you look at, you know, historically things going down the drain for lack of production at the quarterback position of late. 
Now, is that on Dittenton or is that on O'Day for not necessarily dealing with the offensive line and dealing with the quarterback position? What What if my argument as a coach is, yes, but had the general manager put me in the best position to be successful? To me, that's not acceptable to, to make that argument if we're talking about the well, quarterback position well, because, well, because if you look at the quarterback talent around the CFL – like they have some, of, they've had some of the better quarterback talent there with Trevor Harris and Cody Fajardo, et cetera. Like nobody has good quarterback talent right now. So you can't use quarterback as an excuse for your team's woes when everybody's on their backups and half of them have hardly so, played in the CFL. Adam? And Mike, as a head coach, am I expected to work my magic about an offensive line then that hasn't? Perform to standards. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Oh, that's a different story. I'm, yeah. I'm not disputing what you're saying. Right, right. Here's, here's my thing. You haven't made a proper call on a special teams play. You've decided to go on third down when you shouldn't go on third down. You have decided to do a bunch of other dumb things as a coach, and those ones are coaching decisions that has nothing to do with the general manager. General manager deserves it as well right now, because I mean we still don't have proper depth in offensive line and that sort of thing. Yeah, you can blame Jeremy O'Day for that. But going for a second and seven and going on a running play, come on, that's not on the that's not on the general manager. That's on the coach. You don't yeah. go do stuff like that. So to me, you and again, going and guaranteeing your starting quarterback's job, even though he's it's nothing proven, and saying yep, we're going fine next week without even hesitating, stuff like that eventually gets it gets the Rider Nation pretty wound up, and. They are wound up right now, and we all know that right now Craig Dickinson is on a last year. We all know it. It wouldn't cost the Riders very much to get rid of him right now and possibly bring in a guy like, oh, I don't know, Henry Burris, who's been looking in the NFL like a decent coach that should get a job pretty soon. Why not bring him into the CFL, give him a head coaching job in Saskatchewan where everybody loves this uh, team? That would be an awesome pickup for the Rough Riders. For a head coach, and it's been a while. It's been a while since we've had Henry Burris come and turn or t- turn a team around, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the interviews he would give during uh, halftime would just be epic. So, you know what? It's a win-win for everybody. But you know what? In all honesty, I doubt they're going to get Dickinson or O'Day won't get rid of Dickinson. Reynolds won't get rid of uh, O'Day. So we're stuck with him for the rest of the year. Mike, oh. quick thoughts before we move along. Yeah, how how would you feel about a Jim Barker, uh, Jim Barker, Paul Apolice combo? I don't think that was coming back. Talent. My thing is this: let's get some new talent in the league for our coaching staffs. That's Henry awesome. Burris would be a great one because he hasn't been around in the he's been around in the CFL. He's been starting to learn how to coach in the NFL, which is great. I hope he gets an NFL job, but he still seems to be taking these internships mostly with teams. I think he's with the Rams right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I know he's not with Jacksonville anymore. He's with some other team. I think it was the Rams as a assistant coach internship thing. So, you know what? I would love to see him come back to the CFL and be a head coach. And boy, would Saskatchewan be happy to have. They, they honestly might even do a Henry chant for him. Also, Lapo is now, you know, turning into one of the top color guys yeah. uh, on TSN. He's not leaving that job for a head coaching job anytime soon based on his track record as a head coach. And I don't think he should. Um, let's move on to our final segment here before we wrap things up and take a look at the week that was in the CFL fantasy leagues. 
uh, in our draft league. I bounced back right up to the top of the week, uh, 100.6 points for myself. Uh, thanks in large part to the Argos defense and David Cote, who made up a combined 41 points there for me. Adam, you have the second best score of the week. Much the same for you. Defense and special teams, Rene Paradis, 22 points there for you. The Lions with that shutout get 15 there also. Uh, Mikey came in third on the week with 74.5. Dane Evans was the top quarterback on the week, led your way there. And uh, when the Argos falter, so does one Trey Colbeck, who put up 43.7 points on the week uh, because the Argos had a rough day offensively. Uh, Overall standings. I'm in first at 677. Mike's at 628.7. Trey's at 599.8. And Adam, you're quickly picking up steam here. 567.4. Only uh, 30 or so points behind Trey. Uh, You're right back in the middle of things after two good weeks in a row for you. Uh, Waiver wire transactions. We had two so far this week. Trey, after his down week, made a couple of moves. He added Mason Fine. Uh, and dropped Taylor Cornelius, and also added Braylon Addison and dropped Javon Katoy. So uh, Trey getting ready for when Addison's back in the lineup there. I like those moves. We'll see if any more come down the pipe from anybody right. after the... The only question I have is why $10? I don't know. Braylon Addison has been one of the top receivers in the CFL uh, in the past. Maybe he thought others would bid. I just didn't have time to put any lineup changes in for myself. So... Uh, yeah, that's my thought there. Uh, and then if we look at the CFL podcast fantasy league, uh, this past week, uh, first of all, Adam Trey and myself play in that one. Uh, this past week was free for all week. We all played against the league average, uh, which was 75.1 points on the week, a low scoring week across the board. I managed to pull it out with 80.9 points. Uh, Trey and Adam did fall below the red line there. Uh, Adam, you were close. Uh, you were real close on the week, but uh, is this where I should give you your, your minute to rant? Or I, My rant happened uh, last uh, sun, Saturday, just after the uh, BC Edmonton game at about 11.15 that night. Yeah, I, I'm done ranting. All right, that's fair. Uh, more lineup troubles for Adam uh, with lineups not setting, unfortunately. Uh, I'm still in first in the league. Go me. Uh, Adam, Trey, uh, we got to get you back into the playoff spots. We'll see if that happens this week. I face Travis from the 2 and Out CFL podcast. Trey faces uh, Kayla from uh, the Turf District. And Adam, you face uh, Steve from Piffle's podcast. Make sure you check out all those great shows there as well. Now we go over to the CFC uh, Discord League, uh, where the four of us are all playing alongside eight other members of our community there. Uh, All of us won our matchups this week, but Mike. Mike, you lost by three points. Uh, You had the second highest score of the week, uh, but you lost to, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this here, Richard, uh, Jeppy. Uh, is the username here. Uh, And uh, Mike, one, one short loss after another for you. Pardon me? One one small loss after another for you in the Discord League. Eventually, I'm going to get this right and uh, rather lose closely now than in uh, October and November if you get my drift. 
Uh, I, I had the opposite result. I won my matchup over uh, Discord user sandwiches by 0. 0.6 points. Uh, so I got lucky in that one there. Um, overall standings in that one. Uh, we're getting our butts kicked. Uh, Adam, you're the leader out of the four of us in fourth place at five and three. Uh, FM fan 2014 moving into first place in the overall standings there. This week, Trey gets Larry, Mike, you get Barry, I get Brandon, and Adam, you're facing Extreme 88. Uh, so good luck to everybody this week. And thanks to our members of the Discord community for playing alongside of us. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and all the back and forth banter there has been enjoyable as well. All right, and now we're in 44 minutes into this. Should we get into wrapping things up here, guys? I think we should. I think we will do that right now. So tune in again next week. Uh, we'll be back with our Week 10 preview, double digits crazy, uh, here on the Canadian Football Countdown, where we'll do all of these fun things as we did tonight. We'll take a look at the storylines, injury reports, uh, fantasy players and betting odds, uh, again next week, uh, Wednesday, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, live, or catch it in the feeds the next morning. Uh, also, make sure you check out, if you're interested, check out our Discord channel. Lots of great stuff going on in there, including the Tuesday Drive Home Call-In Show. Um, may or may not be happening this upcoming week. Mike, we got to talk about that one, because uh, I might have a bit of a scheduling conflict there, so stay tuned. Uh, but most weeks, you can catch that live there. Uh, and if you want to follow us on social media, oh, that's not what I wanted. Where did, where did everybody go? Hang on. Now I'm, that's what I was looking for. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod, Facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod there as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Cooper Trooper 42. Uh, make sure you check out everything Trey's got going on. He's got a lot of good stuff with his uh, horse racing show as well, three times a week now. Uh, over, You can find him at Trey Harness Link if you're interested in all of this stuff he's got going on. Hopefully we'll have him back next week there too. Uh, Adam, where can people find everything you're doing these days? Well, you can find me at Adam Stewart one Bear with me. There's going to be a lot of combine and harvest photos coming. Uh, took a look at the canola today and... Uh, I think we're about five to seven days away from starting to mow that stuff down. By mow it, I mean, you know, swath it. We don't actually mow it. Uh, same thing with the wheat. It looks pretty close. I think maybe by the end of next week, maybe, hopefully. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, you can find all the farm stuff over at Adam Stewart 1 and also probably my rants on why my CFL fantasy did not save again and why I'm still short and didn't win my fantasy week this week again. Totally not going to rant about it, but definitely going to mention it. Mike, where can you guys find you? First of all, I will FaceTime you this week or something as you set your lineup so you have a witness. Uh, do you think your reports into the uh, Genius Sports will carry more weight if, uh, if you have a witness submit an official statement? I don't know. Just as a, just a thought. Uh, Mike, uh, what do you all got going on these days? Where can people yeah, I, I just want to make a couple notes before people can find me. Uh, congratulations to Michael O'Shea Jr. If the name rings a bell, that's Michael O'Shea's son. Uh, was in camp with the Blue Bombers recently with the Okanagan Sun. 
of the CJFL was recently announced earlier today, actually, as the newest recruit for the University of Manitoba Bison's football team. So congratulations uh, to the O'Shea family. How you get Pops being on the defense and Son being a wide receiver, I'm not sure. Somebody will have to ask Coach about that one. Uh, the other one is also congratulations to Paul Police on doing a great job in the booth. Reminded me like Tony Romo in his first year. Uh, really insightful. Really enjoyed that broadcast. Actually, I was out of town, so I had to watch that game back uh, with full sound. Really, really great stuff They're from Lapo. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter or, I guess, at, as it's called now, uh, at Mike Carroll. I don't know if you noticed, but they've changed the retweet function to reposted. Um, interesting in the world of social media these days. You can find Game Time TV for now at facebook.com backslash Game Time TV MB, but that is subject to change. And we're feverishly working on alternatives uh, here in the office. So it's great to be back, and uh, yeah, happy to be talking football for almost two hours tonight. Right on. Uh, I've turned automatic updates off on my phone so that it stays Twitter. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep writing that. I'm not going to x.com uh, over on the on the phone side of things, at least. Uh, yeah, what a wild time we live in there. Uh, thanks, Elon. Um if you enjoyed the show tonight uh, and you want more CFL content, check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well, at CF Pod Network. Uh, and whatever podcast platform you do listen on, we do appreciate it. If you uh, do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show, we always appreciate that. Uh, on behalf of our panel here this evening, uh, for Mike and Adam, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.